You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. Well, hello, loved ones. Happy New Year, if I haven't seen you yet. Uh, If you have a Bible, copy of God's Word, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to get there quick. So you need to get there quick. But a reminder, I'll just give you some time, a stall tactic. A reminder, next week, uh, next week uh, we are starting, Lord willing, a brand new series, brand new series on the Holy Spirit, of course, led by our senior pastor. So I'm excited about that. So you want to plan to be here for that as well. Again, that's next week, the Holy Spirit, Lord willing. All right, last week we talked in this passage, Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to continue on and we're going to bring it to its conclusion, the chapter. And and, and what I believe God's word wants to do for us tonight is to pour strength into our hearts, great strength into our hearts. I think it's a word for all of us here tonight. Ephesians chapter 3, let's back up beyond our text to verse 14. Verse 14 says this, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Let's pause there for just a second. That's where Nathan left us last week. But we're going to pause, and we've just heard, if you, didn't, if you didn't catch it, we've just heard Paul's big idea for this passage, for that passage last week and for this passage this week. The big idea, the main thing that Paul is praying for is this, that, that Christ would dwell in our lives so that we would have strength. That Christ would dwell within me, that Christ would dwell within you so that we would have strength. So the question, maybe as the new year begins, is do do you want strength? Do you want to be strengthened? Well, if that's what you want, then you need Christ dwelling in you. And just a reminder, last week we talked about how Christ is to dwell within us. That word dwell is not just 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 an eh term. It actually means to come into the house and to take up residence in the house. And in the house of our heart, that includes our minds. That Christ is dwelling in our minds. That we begin to think the things that God wants us to think. That we begin to, to, he begins to dwell in our affections. That we love the things that God loves. That we hate the things that God hates. And he begins to dwell not just in our mind and in our affections, but also in our will, that we begin to do the things that God wants us to do and not do the things that God doesn't want us to do. That's what happens when Christ dwells in me and this strength pours in my heart. And my heart needs to be a place where Christ feels comfortable to dwell. He needs to be able to come in. He needs to feel like he's absolutely at home. You know, we've had some company recently over, these, uh, over the holidays. And, and you know how that is when you have company coming in. Maybe they stay for longer periods of time. Maybe they're just over for a dinner party. You know how that frantic rush before the time comes. And you're like, okay, this room is a mess. So let's close the door on that room. Wait, 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 wait. Let's take this mess in this room, walk it into that room, and then close the door. God's word is instructing us that, no, every door in our hearts needs to be open, that Christ will be coming in and dwelling in. It's the difference between uh, living in a hotel and and, and living in a home. God's word calls us that, that, that Christ must not be a guest in my life. No, he must be the master, not the renter, but the owner, not the helpful teacher who had some neat things to say. No, 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 no. 
the Master, the Lord. Not someone in my life, but my life. So for me to see this, and for you to see this, for you to have real strength in your life, this new year, for the rest of your life, well then Christ needs to work in you. He needs to dwell in you. Christ must be dwelling in you. Uh, he must reside in me. He must be the dominating factor in my life. He must be the very center of everything in me. I think I've said that nine different ways. You get what I'm saying. The main idea for tonight is that for you to have strength, Christ has to dwell in you. Now listen, I don't know where you are as 2017 flips. I don't know if you're like, yes, I need that. I need more strength. I don't know if you're walking in thinking you've got strength. I don't know if you're walking in thinking you have no strength. Uh, I want this, and I want you to want this. Uh, I want to build the muscle of faith in my life. I want to grow in the Lord this year like I've never grown before. I, I don't want to be tossed around by the winds of the world. I want to be steady. I want to be in my faith. I want to be strong like this. Well, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, a squinty-eyed apostle by the name of Paul, locked in a Roman jail cell, gets down on his knees, he says, and he begins to pray. He begins to pray for a people and a church that he believed lacked this strength, Ephesus, that, that, that Christ would dwell within them, strengthening them. And listen, 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 this is not just a, this is not just muscle weight training, okay? This is not you turning the new year, going to the gym, and working out so that you can now all of a sudden bench press your weight. That's not, no, that's not what it's about. This is not about you getting stronger. That's a, that's a very helpful distinction. What God's Word is not calling us to is us getting so strong. No, no, no. And, and likewise, God's Word is not calling uh, Christ to do everything for us. He's not coming back, and we're sitting back and like this, and then Christ is doing everything. No, 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 no. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is not me doing it all on my own, and the Christian life is not Christ doing everything for me and then me just sitting back. No, the power of the Christian life that what Paul's praying for is that Christ would work in me and through me. That I'd find my strength in him. That I'd find my power made perfect in my weakness. That, 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 that I would abide in Christ and Christ in me and that I would bear much fruit because apart from him I can do nothing. That's the Christian life, abiding in Christ and having his life in me out in this life. So the key to all strength in 2017 is that Christ must dwell in me. But how does it come that way? You're telling me, okay, so that Jesus is going to come and he's going to make me strong. Okay, what does that look like? How does that happen? How does that work? Well, Paul, in the text in front of us tonight, is going to give us uh, two, well, he's going to give us two reasons why we should want this strength in our lives, but these reasons are also proof. So, so, so when, I, I am, when, when the strength of when Christ is dwelling in me and his strength is coming out of me, it, it, you're going to see some things in my life. You're going to see some things in my life, and Paul says, when you see those things in somebody else's life, you should want that too. That's what he's pointing to. You should want that too. You know, you know I, I, I've never seen this before, but you know, in England, when, when you know, the, the queen moves around, did you know this, that they, they raise a flag when she's in a room? 
Like she, when she goes to her home, they raise the queen flag. Did you know this? I'm not making fun of this. I, I really am not. If you're a, a diehard monarchist, that's great. Bless you. Uh, but like they ra- imagine if you went to your house and you went in, you walked in your house and, and your wife says, hang on a second. And then she goes out and raises the flag. <laughs> He's here. He's here. You know, the whole point of that flag is that, that the people of, uh, of, of London, and, and they see Buckingham, that they would say, look, there she is. She's there. You could be sitting in your office across, the, across the, the city, and you could see the flag go up. Oh, she just got there. That's the idea Paul's getting at in this text. When Christ is in your home, when Christ is in your heart, these very visible things will be manifested in your life. Strength will show itself in some very, very prominent ways. Let me show you the first one. When Christ dwells within me, I will know, first of all, and this is the source of strength, I will know his mind-blowing love. Mind-blowing love. Having a little fun with the outline. Mind-blowing love. Look at verse 17 again. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. A few more things about this love. We can call them subpoints if you want. Uh, if Christ is dwelling in me and I'm knowing this mind-blowing love, well, what does that look like? Well, well, knowing that love means firstly this, that I'm anchored to this love that I'm anchored to this love. And this is what God wants us rooted in. Now, in that Greek, you notice in the, in the construction, you're, you're rooted and you're grounded. That's, that's an agricultural term, and then it's an architectural term. And the idea being behind that is you're digging in deep. The cleats are going into the soil. You're gripping onto the ground so that you're not moved around. It's the difference between a weed and an oak tree. It's the difference between a little tent you set up in Muskoka and the CN Tower. The depth of foundation is to be rooted and grounded in. And Paul, Paul is on his knees, verse 17, and he's praying that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in what? In love. Love. Well, what love is that? Love love of self? Love of... uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, love of my dog, love of love. What, what's the love? What is, what is the love? Look, look down. Look down at the text. Look down at verse 19. Look down. Uh, by the way, so many of our questions about what God's Word brings up is actually answered by God's Word. Have you noticed that before? So we get this one verse, what's the love? What being rooted and grounded in, what is, now, now look down at verse 18. And you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. It's the love of Christ he's talking about. Be rooted and grounded. Claw at the dirt. Dig in deep. Grab hold in your life of the love of Christ. Now, our problem, of course, is that we are rooted and grounded in the wrong things sometimes, aren't we? We get out away from the, the, the love of Christ and we start digging in the field of family and rooted and grounded in family. Or maybe that doesn't work and we, we get our fingernails dirty again and we dig and ground and we try and root ourselves in, in the love of money and the things that we can get with our money. 
Or maybe, maybe we root and ground in, 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 the, in, the, in the strength of myself and my own abilities. I'm going to hold on and trust in myself this year. Or, or maybe I'm rooting and grounding in my own health. Or, or, or in my own kids' activities. Or my strength, my ability, my stuff. Sometimes we're rooted in the wrong things. Sometimes we're grounded in things that there's no strength in. Sometimes, frankly, we're grounded in nothing. We're rooted in nothing. If we're being honest with ourselves, so many of our days are just, eh, just going through the motions. What are you rooted and grounded? I'm not rooted and grounded in anything. What are those things for you? How do you find those things? How do you figure out what is that rooting and grounding in my life that maybe isn't Christ? Well, I got this little list together. It's real quick. We can put it up. Uh, where am I rooted and grounded in? Uh, you can find your rooting and grounding even now as you sit there by going through this little checklist. Okay, uh, first one, how do I spend my money? What am I spending the extra money on? Uh, uh, it, it, you know, is, it, is, it, is that going to give an indication of what I'm rooted and grounded in? How about this one? Uh, uh, how do I spend my free time? What do I like in free time? What do I like to do? What do I like to be a part of in my free time? Uh, uh, how do I spend my imagination? What am I going to in my head when I'm in my quiet moments? Driving in my car, sitting in my office, sitting at home, waking up in the morning, staying up late at night. Where am I spending my imagination? Where, where, how do I spend my prayers? And by the way, when I don't get those prayers answered, how do I react in that? Is it life-destroying that I couldn't get that prayer answered? How about this last one? How do I spend my emotions? What are the things that make me the most upset in this life? What are the things that make me the most anxious? What are the things that make me the most happy? What are the things that make me the most fearful? What are the things that make me the most angry? You go through that little thing, you can find out where you're rooted and grounded in pretty quick. It's not fun, it's not painful. Or it is painful, sorry. All right, knowing it, knowing it means I, 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 am, I am anchored in it. And knowing the love of Christ means I'm anchored in it. But knowing it also means this, secondly. Knowing it means I comprehend it. Look at verse 18. That you may have strength, Paul, again, on his knees in a Roman jail cell, praying out loud that they have, they have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Now, that word for comprehend is a seize in your mind with a white-knuckle grip. There are some truths that you take in and you're like, oh, that's interesting. And then there are some truths that you're like, that I'm going to lay hold of. The pilot who drives his car to the airport and has to stop and fill up gas and he looks up at the meter and it's rolling and he sees the rate. It's like, okay, well, that's about what I'm going to pay. Okay, that's something that I'm going to be like, oh, okay, interesting. That same pilot then, then, then drives his car to the airport, gets in his plane, looks at his gas meter, calculates the wind speed, knows the gas, flight, ratio, wind speed. That truth, he grips with a white knuckle, very differently than the price of his gas. He knows it. He believes it. He trusts in it. The love of Christ for me is not going to be something that I'm just going to be like, oh, Jesus loves me. What Paul prays for is that we would grip it that we would hold it, that we would embrace it, that we would never let it go. It's everything to me, this mind-blowing love of Christ. Knowing it means I'm comprehending it, means I'm also uh, uh, anchored in it, but then thirdly this, it means that I'm, uh, uh, it marks me as a Christ follower. 
When I know the love of Christ, just quickly here, knowing the love of Christ is not something that only you and I should be doing. It's not only something that the Ephesians should be doing. It's not something that Paul should be doing. It's something that every believer in Christ needs to be doing. He says this, in fact. He says, with all the saints, Paul says. In fact, the truth is one of the defining markers of a follower of Jesus Christ is that he or she has a growing comprehension of the love of Christ. Do you know one of the great ways that you can figure out if somebody's a follower of Jesus Christ? If maybe you're, you're kind of sensing that radar at work with someone and they, they, you, know, you, you walk by their desk and maybe you've seen their Bible or they talk about somebody they heard or you know, their activities on the weekend or what they're doing with their kids. You know one of the great, greatest ways you can figure out what somebody uh, is a follower of Christ or not? One of the greatest questions you can ask them is this. What do you think about Jesus? That's one of the first questions I ask anybody who knocks on my door. What do you think about Jesus? When they come with their books or their scriptures, what do you think about Jesus? And a, and a true Christ follower, all the saints, Paul says, is marked by a love for the love of Christ. They grip it. They comprehend it. They know it. But this, fourthly, notice this, knowing it means I also understand its limitlessness. How huge is this? Verse 18, again, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. Paul says this, look to the right, look up, look down, look to the left. The love of Christ is bigger than all of that. Go as far as you want. Go as high as you want. Go as deep as you want. You will never surpass the love of Christ. You cannot even scrape the surface of understanding the love of Christ. Can you just consider for a moment, can we just consider for a moment that maybe, just maybe, as you're sitting there, as I'm standing here, we don't even have a fraction of an understanding of how much Jesus loves us. The breadth, Paul says. How wide is this love? How wide are Jesus' arms? Well, it includes the Jews and the Greeks. It includes males and females, slave and frees. It includes Roman citizens and Canadian citizens. It includes the criminal. It includes the self-righteous. It includes the young and the old. The message of the love of the Christ and the message of the gospel is for everyone. Jesus' arms are wide. This mind-blowing love. Consider the breadth. What about the length? How, how far can Jesus reach you? Uh, uh, it stretches from Paul to, to Ephesus, from the apostles' early church to, 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 to the modern church, to, to a, a Jewish temple, to, to, to a church in the GTA right here tonight. How far can Jesus reach? How far can he go? Well, it includes the person who seems like they're so far away from Jesus that nothing, that, that I'm too far gone for Jesus. No, the love of Christ can reach. The breadth, the length, how about the depth? How far down can Jesus reach? Well, the love of Christ was such that he was willing to step out of his glorious reign, out of time and eternity, and to step and to walk and to become clothed in humanity, to humble himself, to go low as low could be. Not only that, he was willing to suffer. He was willing to die and die upon a cross. He was willing to go low, low, low and be buried. He was willing, willing to reach to the most wretched of sinners. That's how low it goes. He will reach you. Paul says, do you know it? Do you know it? Do you know it? Do you know the mind-blowing love of Christ? That's the breadth, the length, the depth, and then the height. How high can Jesus' love reach? 
The love of Christ was such that he was raised to life, raised to the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high, raised to judge, raised to intercede for us, raised to then raise us from the dead and then to enthrone us with him. They're raised to rule for eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, hey, do you know it? Do you know it? Do you know it? Do you know the mind-blowing love of Christ? The love of Christ, he says, knows no limits. Paul prays that they do, though, that they may have strength that they may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ. Can you, can you consider for maybe just a moment that you and I have barely scraped the surface of how much Jesus loves you? Can you and I just, just consider for a moment that maybe, just maybe, we just got off the plane and we're just standing in the airport terminal looking out at this wonderful place of the love of Christ. We haven't even stepped foot outside those doors yet. Oh, how deep, oh, how deep the love of God. Paul prays that they know it. Know it. That word in verse 19, the word know, seems like a, seems like a simple word in English, but it's not a simple word. It's actually a pretty complex word. It means to know and to know experientially. So, 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 for instance, I can know, I, I, I heard that Niagara Falls was big, I heard that it had a lot of water going on it, but I know it's big, I know it's big because I've stood next to it. I know it's big because everybody who lives outside of this area and my family wants to go and see it, and so I have to go and see it. And so I see it, and I go and I stand next to it, and I see the water with my eyes, and then when you get close, you feel it in your feet, don't you? And you can hear it roaring. I know it because I've experienced it. I know it's huge. Paul says, I don't pray that they just know it in their heads. I pray that they know the love of Christ with their lives, that they know it, that they know it, that they know it. Paul says, do you know it? Do you know it? The mind-blowing love of Jesus Christ. Do you know it? And you and I sit there and say, yes. And Paul says, wait. But you can't. You can't know it. Verse 19 again. That they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of God. Knowing it means, lastly, this, that I can never really fully know it. No, I can't really fully know it, but I'm going to try. The truth is for the believer that eternity, eternity won't be long enough, won't be enough time for us to see how much he loves us. And the more we know and we understand his love for us, the more we will be wondered as to why he would love us so. Now listen, why is this so important? If you and I were praying for someone to have strength, or if you and I, if you, someone came to your house and said, boy, I'm really weak, I really need strength, what would be the first thing you would give them? The first thing Paul says for, that, for us, for the Ephesian church, is, okay, you need strength. This is what you need. First, you need to know the love of Christ, that you would know the love of Christ. Why does that give strength? Why in the world does knowing that Christ Jesus loves me give strength? Well, how does me walking around rooted and grounded and clinging with a white knuckle grip to the love of Christ, how does that answer Paul's prayer in my life? How does that give me strength? 
Well, it gives me strength in every way. And maybe this is the answer for you as you walk into 2017. How can I walk into 2017? I'm looking at all these problems, all these things. I'm carrying a whole bunch of problems in there with me. I don't know how to handle my own life, let alone the life of my, 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 my wife or my husband or, or my kids. I don't know how to handle my own job. I don't know how to handle this. I don't have any strength. I've just got weakness. How do I handle this? Paul says, look, consider, consider the love of Christ. Consider the love of Christ. And when you consider, and when you know how much Jesus loves you, then you can open up God's word and you can start to read amazing promises in God's word. You can start to read things that God's word says to you and you're saying, yes, I know it's true. I know it's true because God loves me in Jesus Christ. I know that that's true because Jesus Christ loves me. Things like what you say. Things like what? Well, I wrote a little list up here for you. Things like what? Things like this. Okay, well, that's small font. Oh, boo, Craig, sorry. Take a picture. Okay? But there's just a lot of promises we want to get through, okay? Okay, how about this one? Uh, God's not holding out on me. When I know that Jesus Christ loves me, then I know that God's not holding out on me. He's giving me everything I need, everything I, everything I could ever have. He's not holding out on me. There's not a better life that God's saying, no, you can't have the better life. No, you can't have a more fun in this life. No, you can't have more joy. No, you can't have more happiness. No, God's giving you everything you need, even if it's difficult. How about this one? All of God's word is truth. All of it. Every last word of it is true. Even the difficult things, the hard things about myself, all of it is true. How about this one? Jesus really did die in payment for my sins and all of them. And I walk around this earth, I am no longer, I am no longer under any condemnation. That no man can say anything to me that would condemn me if the Son of God has set me free. I am freed in Christ. I can forgive others around me as well because Christ in, in God, God in Christ has forgiven me. How about this one? This is the other one. Nothing will separate me from him and his love for me. Nothing ever will separate me. If Christ loves me this much, then nothing ever will get away. Nothing will ever come between me and him. That's a good list, eh? There's more. How about this one? Someday soon I will either be brought into his presence or he will return. That's a truth. And I can walk around with strength in my life and say, you know what? This life is hard, but someday soon I'm going to him or he's coming for me. And then, then, he will reign in truth and justice, and all the wrongs in this world will be made right. And this life that we have lived will seem like a flicker in the light of eternity. All of this life. And how about this one? God will never leave me or forsake me. Uh, this light momentary afflictions are preparing for me an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This life with its difficulties and its trials. Is there any others? That's, oh, yeah, there's more. Sorry. Okay, we've got to go quick. Difficulties brought into my life not to break me, but to break me of self-sufficiency. That's a big truth. But when I know that God in Christ loves me, he loves me, and he's got his best interest in me, he loves me. This difficulty in life is not meant to destroy me. It's meant to break me of my self-sufficiency. I don't have to be strong, but I can find my strength in him. He disciplines me like I do my children because I love them. His ways and his plans are perfect, even if I can't understand them. He will provide everything I need. How do you walk through life with strength? You walk through life with strength knowing that the second person of the Trinity, the omnipotent God himself, Jesus Christ, loves you. And he, he doesn't love you like you and I love people, flawed, failing, faltering sometimes. No, he loves you perfectly. And all of those things be true in that. If Jesus Christ loves you like that, then all of that is true. And when all of that is true and realized in your life, then you know what happens? <gasps> strength. I can walk through this life. Not strength on my own, not strength because Christ does everything for me, but no, but strength as Christ is in and through me. 
when I see this, I can walk out the doors of this, of this place and into the world, and I can say any situation can come at me, any situation, because, because I know his mind-blowing love for me. Paul prays, oh, that they would understand it. Oh, that they would understand it. He's locked in jail. I can't get them food. I can't get them support. I can't go and teach them. I'll write him a letter, and I'll tell him I'm praying for them. Oh, Lord, I'm praying that they would know, that they would know, that they would know the love of Christ. And that'll be the key to everything. Lord, as you dwell in them, blow their minds with how much you love them. But there's more. When, when Christ is dwelling in me, the flag goes up, and you can see in my life the love of Christ in my life. But then there's a second thing that happens. Secondly, I want you to see this. When Christ truly dwells in me, I will praise his mind-blowing ability. His mind-blowing ability. A reality for the follower of Christ is that the more he or she has allowed the Lord Jesus to be the Lord of their life, the more they will see his power at work in and through them. Look at verse 20. Now to him, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power that is work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Now, Bible scholars look at verse 20, and they've noticed this, and I think this is pretty neat. They've noticed that this is an example of intense emphasis. Intense emphasis would be me walking up to you and saying, hey, do you like, you know, do you like, I don't know, uh, gummy bears? And you're like, do I like gummy bears? I really, 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 really like gummy bears. That's intense emphasis. If that's you, that's great. But this is intense emphasis in God's word. Kind of like when the wise men see uh, the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. God's word lays it out for them, right? Watch verse 20, okay? This is so fun. Look at verse 20. The point of verse 20 is that he's able to do, to do okay? So he's able. He's, he's not just able, he's, he's able to do things. Wow, that's great. He's able to do things. He's able to do what we ask. What? Like when I pray to him, he's able to do what I ask? Yep. He's able to do what you ask. He can do it because he's omnipotent God. Okay, that's great. Wow. You could stop there, right? Wow. But no, he's able to do what we ask. He's able to do what we think. What? I didn't even pray it? No. He's able to do what you think. He's able to do what's in your head. He's able to do as you ask him. He's able to do what you ask or think. He's able to do what? All that you ask or think. Are you kidding me? He can do anything? Yes. He's able to do not just all that we ask or think. He's able to do abundantly all that you ask or think. So much more than you ask or think. That's amazing. He's able to do more abundantly. Are you kidding me? He's able to do far more abundantly. Oh, my word. He can do it all. Do you like gummy bears? Very, 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 very much. Is God able? Yes. Very, 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 very much. He is able. He is able. He is able. And for the follower of Christ, this confidence in God, this confidence that God can do absolutely anything gives strength to your heart, doesn't it? You read this verse and God can do anything. It doesn't just say, hey, God sometimes might do some things. God may sometimes care. God may sometimes hear your prayers. Maybe sometimes God will do some cool things in your life. Maybe not. Who knows? No, God is able to do everything. He's able to do anything and everything. And the point of this, the point of this 
is, of course, according to the power of God at work within us. To see the, the work of Jesus Christ at work within me. And when Christ dwells in my heart, I will see this. I start to see this. Look at your life. Do you see this in your life? Do you see evidences of mind-blowing ability? Do you see things that you're like, oh, man, that's God. That could, no way that could have happened. That's God. Mind-blowing ability. I want to share with you two stories. I want to give you a, a little story, and I want to give you a big story. Okay? Uh, and before I begin the big story, uh, the, the little story, let me just say this. The truth sometimes is that God sometimes lovingly removes all of my thoughts, of my abilities, uh, to teach me about his mind-blowing ability. Have you noticed that before? Sometimes God will just strip you down of all your abilities because you think you can do things, and he just says, you know what, I will do it all. I will do it all, and I will demonstrate to you with kindness and love that I can do anything. Just stop striving, Craig. Just, just stop. You can't do it. You, you, can't, you can't do it. So I'm going to sit you down, and then I'm going to go and do it, and I'm going to show you how strong I am. Let me tell you my small story. Uh, this is a small story that happened to me. The month of December in our family was complex. It was difficult. It was a lot of trials. It, was, it seemed like it was, we, we said we were the one more thing family. This happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Uh, at one point in the, in the month of December, my wife was called uh, on an emergency down to her family. They needed her down there, and she lives in, she's from Ohio, so she travels down there. She's there for a week. Uh, and, and then just one more thing happened in our family is that in the middle of the time while she is gone, I get a virus. Along comes Mr. Norovirus. I don't know if you know that. I'm, I'm, I'm well away from that, so I'm not contagious tonight. But... <laughs> Mr. Norovirus works really, really aggressively in you, okay? So I will just say this. I was up sick, very sick, all night. Enough said. My backup plan caregivers, they're up sick all night, like bad. And now I also have three kids that go to school, and I've got a little guy who's one and a half years old. And, and, and my wife is, is down with her family because she needs to be. And she's been gone for a week. And now I'm down, up sick all night. And then my, my, my backup plan is down, up sick all night. And, and, and so now, what do I do? Well, you wake up in the morning and you go, oh. And you walk into the bedroom with the kids. And, Did you hear daddy last night? And they're like, no. <laughs> and then they start going. And you're like, okay, I'll make some lunches. Washing my hands. I'll get the little guy ready, and then I pack him up in the stroller, and we walk him to school, and then you get back from school, and I'm like, like wobbling at school like this, and, and you know, like just sick, 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 and then come back to the house, and I put the little guy in my lap, and, and then we open up a book because daddy can't move, and then I'm looking at my watch, looking at my, all right, nap time. So I take him upstairs and lay him down, and I sit down on the couch. Now, one thing you need to know about me is on my best days, I can barely make a meal. I, I, I just I can barely do that. I'm not domesticated like that. On my best days. So here I am sitting on the couch. And I'll be honest with you, I got, I got choked up. Because I'm feeling like I, I don't know what to do here. I don't have any, we don't have any help. We, I got no help. I got to pick these kids up. I got to look after this guy all day. I, I got nothing. And of course, I'm, I'm proud, so I don't want to call any of you. But I sit there... <laughs> 
and, and I say, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, 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 I put, and, and, and I'm so tired, so this is all I do, okay? And I'm, I'm not the hero of the story. The Lord is. I sit there and I say, Lord, Lord, if, if you want my kids to eat today, <laughs> okay, okay. Remember, remember the truth? Remember the truth? Remember the truth? Sometimes God will strip away everything that makes you think you're able so that he can show you his superabundance. So I, I, I say, Lord, Lord, this is what I need you to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm like very sick. I say, Lord, I need you to bring food to the door <laughs> so that my kids can eat. So I fall asleep on the couch. <laughs> and, I, and I go up and I get uh, my boy after he wakes up and about an hour and a half passes and then my phone buzzes. And my phone at 1.32 has this text. Uh, I'm going to stop by between 2.15 and 2.30. If you can't answer the door, I'll leave a bag on your porch. Okay, wait a minute. This person does not know. Nobody knows I'm sick. Only my primary caregivers beyond me. No, this person doesn't know that I'm sick. This person just knows that my wife is not there. So they say, okay, I'm going to bring by, by on your porch uh, and, and drop it by. Chicken noodle soup and, and a loaf of bread that I can eat because I've got one of those dietary things. A bread that I can eat and a chicken noodle soup, okay? Isn't that amazing? I sit there and I'm like, huh, unbelievable. God is able to do far more abundantly than I can. Wait, 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 wait. And then I get this second text from a different person the same day at 347. Hey, CT, we're buying you dinner. What, what do you have? And then I don't check my phone because I'm, I'm picking kids up from school. And then I realize that the second text is coming from the same person. And then they say this, second text, don't worry, we deliver. <laughs> and this is my small story. I sit there and, and do you know what happens in that moment? I sit there and tears come in my eyes. And I think to myself, my God, my God cares for the small things. And do you know what happens in my life and in my kids' life as I share this? I'll say, Serena, Maria, you don't know what happened. I literally sat down and put an order in, and God brought it. <laughs> amen, amen. Okay. Do you know what happens? It just happened in your heart as well. Look at verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And at the end of this, I sit there and I say, my God loves me. My God can do anything. I don't have to be strong. Not one bit. And when Christ dwells in you, he provides the strength you need. Now, the month of December uh, on paper was hard for our family, but in reality, it was amazing, just amazing, just amazing as we see God's care for us. Now, that's my small story. Maybe you have uh, small stories like that as well of how God has done things. In fact, I know some of you, and I know you've got stories like that, that nobody in the world would know what's going on in your life, and then God answers something, just prompts people to come by. And by the way, I share that with the two people who sent those texts, and tears come to their eyes as well. That's my small story, but I got a big story. And how neat is it to consider the small story and how God, our God cares for the little things in our lives. Could we have gone without a meal? Yeah. Could I have found something in the cupboard? Yeah. But he shows his care in the small to remind us of his care in the big. Now, that was my sickness at one point in my life. But the reality in my life is there was a moment of greater, greater distress. 
There was a moment in my life when I was weakened and broken and empty and had squandered my life in the things of this world when I had nothing, and I sit down on the couch and I cry out. And I say, God, God, if you want me to do anything here, you're going to have to do it. This life has been squandered in my hand. I can't do it. I can't do this life. I can't, I can't live in it. I'm not finding any joy in the things I'm trying to pursue. I can't do anything. And the knock on the door, and the door opens, and there in the doorway is Jesus Christ. Standing in the doorway saying, I have paid for your sins. I have paid for everything. All of it, all of it, past, present, future, laid upon my shoulders. And in love, I hung on a cross for you so that you would not be separated from my love, that you would be welcomed into my love, that you would have the penalty paid for you by my own hands. And I did this because I loved you and because I love you with an everlasting, unlimited, always, always love. Never without any condition related to what you do. Not because of my own righteousness, not because of my own good deeds. And then what happens? I cling to Christ. And the scales fall off. And new life is breathed into my heart. And the Lord comes into my life. And what's more? What's more? Because he is more than able. He takes away my brokenness and sin and my rebellion. He pays for them upon a cross, yes. But he also adopts me and welcomes me in. And I become clothed as the son of God. Now forever to stand in eternity with Jesus Christ, the one who has loved me from past, present, and future. The mind-blowing ability of our God in Jesus Christ. And if God did this for us, how can we ask so little of a great God? And then you know what happens in that moment when you consider that in your own life, your own big story? You sit there with tears in your eyes and you say things like, I can't believe that he loves me like this. I don't have to be strong. Not one bit. And the result, verse 21 to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So if it's true, if that's true, that Christ must dwell in me to have strength, and when he dwells in me, my heart, like the flag post that gets raised, the flag, in my heart, all of a sudden there's an understanding of the knowledge of this mind-blowing love of God. And there's, a, there's an understanding of this mind-blowing ability of the, of the power of our God. If that's true, then I guess the question that we're left with here tonight is this. Will you surrender? Maybe Jesus is calling you, hey, listen, Craig, there's been this room you've opened, and this room you've opened, but this room is close to me. Yeah. Maybe Jesus tonight is saying to you, listen, I, I don't, I'm done with just one room. I want all of you. Will you, by faith, invite him in? Will you turn from broken ground, from shallow soils that you've dwelled in? Will you, by faith, invite him in? Maybe, maybe inviting him in for more. This year, Lord, have more of me. More of me. When I'm sensing and feeling the weakness in my life, that's a trigger for me to come and run to you. And maybe I'm in that place. And maybe the Lord's saying to me at the beginning of the new year, come to me. Come to me. If you're weary and heavy laden, perfect. Come to me. And find in me grace sufficient for you, power made perfect in weakness. Come to me. Maybe that's for you the first time. Maybe you're sitting there saying, no, I need this. That Jesus be Lord of my life. That Jesus be Lord of my heart.
Would this year, would 2017 be a year where you have more of me, where he has more of you as well?